On the 17th day of October, Halloween gave to me 17 Kegner screeching, 16 flying engines, 15 workplace accidents, 14 logs of bouncing, 13 planes exploding, 12 zombie soldiers, 11 angels wrestling, 10 ghostly hitchhikers, 9 basement clowns, 8 vampire cruises, 7 silent heroes, 6 prequel bloodstones, 5 diabolical fledglings, 4 vampire pianists, 3 dead professors, 2 Michelle actresses, and a radu drooling something bloody. Hey everybody, welcome to the final day of Final Destination. It is uh, our discussion of Final Destination 5, which rounds out the series. There is a part 6 coming, uh, although I don't know exactly when that is going to be released, but we'll talk about that when that happens. And uh, this is, for my money, the second best of the Final Destination movies. I really am quite fond of this one. It is a, a good way to marry the sadism of the series with the things that make the original an intriguing kind of story. So here's the setup. We have our group of young people, although it's aged up a little bit because this is a corporate retreat as opposed to it being like a high school trip and, and so forth, like you saw in the first movie. I think that aging them up works a little bit because it gives them a little bit more in the way of mature goals and a little more maturity in how they handle the situation, although they handled the situation pretty badly for the most part. But a quick rundown of the characters. We've got our main character, who is Sam. He is the one that's going to have the vision and is working for this company, but has aspirations to be uh, a chef uh, you know, a very The Bear-style chef. There's his girlfriend, Molly, played by Emma Bell. The, uh, Frozen's Emma Bell. Not the Disney movie, but the uh, Adam Barnick. Right? Didn't Barnick direct that? Adam Green? Maybe it was Adam Green. Doesn't matter. Um, Emma Bell. Uh, the Walking Dead's Emma Bell. Anyway, she plays the girlfriend, Molly, who is kind of ready to break up with Sam. And it seems her logic is he is unhappy being in this corporate world. He needs to go to France to be a chef. She needs to kind of let him go because that seems to be where his ambitions are going. And he's going to leave her anyway. So she's sort of, you know, first strike capability here and, and breaking up with him ahead of that. Then there's their friend Nathan, who is working for the company, but he's a young guy who just got promoted to be the floor manager of the factory part of things, the warehouse, and is having some trouble with Roy, who is uh, the union head of this shop. And, you know, like Nathan's just a younger guy. They don't respect him, but he's in charge, and there's some tension there, which is pretty interesting. Then there's Peter, who works for the company, and he is uh, one, of, <laughs> one of the first to, like, really get the idea that maybe, hey, if death is after us, there is something we can do about that. He's, he's kind of the villain of the movie in a way. Then there's Candace, who is Peter's girlfriend. There is Olivia, that is the resident goth girl of the company and a little bit of a wild child. Then there's Isaac, who's just a complete douchebag. He's just this gross, 
you know, not middle-aged dude, but certainly acts that way where he's just like, you know, hitting on all the women and wants to be uh, a little bit of a player, even though he is this, you know, kind of balding, schlubby guy uh, that strikes a little close to home uh, for me. Then you've got David Koechner playing Dennis. Uh, David Koechner, of course, from Anchorman and a bunch of comedy stuff. And he is the sort of asshole boss. And then you've got Courtney B. Vance, who is an agent investigating all of the doings. And then uh, finally, uh, Tony Todd back as Bloodworth showing up at all the death scenes. So they're going on this corporate retreat. And Sam ends up having a vision of them crossing this bridge on a bus and I think it's dust in the wind that starts playing, uh, which is a, a pretty good, like a lot of these movies have a song that precedes the death and dust in the wind's a pretty good one. And uh, you know, all hell breaks loose, right? The bridge starts collapsing. People are falling into the water. Cars are landing on them after they fall. Some of them are getting impaled by spikes. There's a, a particularly good one. I think it's Candace who falls off the bridge and immediately is impaled on the mast of a boat that's passing below her. That's a pretty good one. Even though, you know, it doesn't really happen. That's not the, the real death, but pretty good. Uh, as is the car dropping on the person who survives the fall. That's pretty sadistic. And, but yeah, every, oh, and, and David Kegner gets uh, like some hot oil poured on him uh, due to the, the road work. They've got some like hot oil to patch the, the bridge and that burns him up. Well, that's also pretty gnarly. But anyway, he gets all these people off because he freaks out. Sam does, uh, has this vision of things going horribly wrong and everybody gets off. So what, what are the things about a Final Destination movie that make it a good Final Destination movie? It's the deaths and the deaths are really good in this. You start with Candace, who probably has one of my favorite deaths of the series because, you know, much like Final Destination 2 and the guy who won the lottery, there's about 15 things going wrong. They're like, she's doing a gymnastics routine and there's a, a, a screw that falls out of an air compressor above her and lands on the balance board and she's doing her routine all around it. So you you see her feet dancing all around this screw that is sitting on the balance board with the, the tip up. And you're like, Oh, that screw, something's going to happen where that gets her. And, and it doesn't like she, she gets away with that. There's also, um, a fan that seems to be shorty. Now there's, uh, uh, the, the powder table is, uh, you know, like the, the, the talc or the talcum that they use to reduce friction when they're doing their routines and so forth. Like there, there's some business going on with that. One of the screws holding one of the parallel bars in place is coming loose. Like there's 15 different ways that Candace could die. And what ultimately happens is she's doing her routine routine on the parallel bars. Another person is doing their routine on that balance beam with the screw standing up. She steps on that like falls off, knocks the talcum powder over the fan blows that and creates a cloud that hits the parallel bars where Candace is doing her routine while she is swinging up. She loses her grip and then falls in such a way on her knees and thighs that she just 
bends over backwards and breaks her back and legs and one presumes neck. I mean, like, it's just collapsing into a pile of person. And it's gnarly and shocking and it's wonderful. Uh, and I should probably not have this much glee when talking about how Candace dies, but it was great. And so, uh, yeah, so she's dead. And we see Bloodworth for the first time here, uh, and Sam kind of clocks him. And then the next death is Isaac, who ends up going for a massage, which is, he gets from a coupon that he steals out of the drawer of one of the people who died in the bridge collapse, which is a real shitty thing to do. But he goes there, and he's a real shithill about it. He's like, hey, is this the kind of massage where it's, you know, a happy ending? And the woman's like, all right, I know how to handle this. And gets this old woman who just roughs him up during the massage. But as he is being given this acupuncture, um, there's, uh, you know, again, a, a series of death-related events, which forces him uh, to collapse off of the uh, bed, the massage table. And all the acupuncture needles kind of jam into his skin and bend. And that's real gnarly. And there's a fire going on, but he gets away from that. And just when he's feeling like, Oh, I managed to elude death, a Buddha statue that he'd been fucking with earlier, uh, falls on his head and crushes it. And there's a great shot of the Buddha with a splash of blood kind of grinning at the camera. Also pretty good. So now that Isaac is also dead, this is the point in the movie where everybody's like, hey, death might be coming for us. And it's in the order that we would have died on the bus. So while we've got some good deaths going on, the other thing that makes a good Final Destination movie is what is the method to get out of the situation as a whole? How do you cheat death? And Bloodworth in this suggests, hey, if somebody who is not supposed to be alive were to take another life, then you basically substitute a death for a death. You get to live out their days. So you just have to kill an innocent person that was supposed to die somewhere down the line. And this really sticks with Peter. Peter is like, you don't say, I don't want to die, and I kind of have no morals. And anyway, so then there's uh, Olivia the resonant goth chick who uh, is going for LASIK surgery. And this is one of the gnarlier moments in the movie too, where she gets kind of trapped in there in the chair with her eye pried open and a laser booting up. And naturally some water falls on a plug because it wouldn't be a final destination movie if some water weren't shorting out some electrical devices. But the, <laughs> the LASIK device fires up and shoots the laser into her eye at way too high a power. And she's moving her eye around. And in one of the gnarlier details of the series, you see her eyeball being scorched in the way that she's moving her eye. And then she tries to close her eye and move her head, but that just burns her eyelid and cheek. It's disturbing. It's one of the reasons every time I think about LASIK surgery, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that because I saw Final Destination 5. It's the reason I don't go by, behind log trucks. Like, Final Destination, as a movie series, has fucked me on a couple of life events. And one of them being driving behind trucks with logs. The other being LASIK surgery, because this scene is disturbing. Eye trauma is disturbing, and this is particularly nasty eye trauma. But anyway, she finally gets out of the chair and then flips out and then falls out the window and dies that way. 
which is less satisfying, but also you just got the eye thing, so fine. And so, the you know, Sam's putting this all together and realizes, oh, Nathan, my buddy Nathan, is next. But he's at the factory having it out with Roy, the union guy. And he he sees this big hook thing coming and that is probably going to kill Nathan. But Nathan thinks it's coming for Roy and tries to move him out of the way. But Roy's, you know, being a dickhead. And as a result of him being a dickhead, he ends up taking the hook to the head that was meant for Nathan. So Roy dies instead of Nathan, thereby... You know, basically, Nathan can now live out the rest of Roy's days. And Dennis shows up to uh, question the incident. And then a wrench launched by a belt sander slams him in the face and kills him. Which is not a great death for David Kegner, but we did see him boiled by oil earlier. And I'll take that. And so... Peter then decides he's going to kill Molly and take her life because Molly was going to survive all along. Like Molly, even in Sam's death, our vision of their deaths, she survived. So, uh, you know, distraught by Candace's death and not wanting to die himself, Peter decides that he's going to take care of uh, Molly. There's a big you know, sort of cat and mouse scene at the restaurant where Sam works, where they're chasing each other around and shooting each other and having a big, you know, almost they live style fight where they're just banging each other with, you know, fryer baskets and pans and knives. And it's pretty good. And then, uh, Courtney B Vance is still investigating overhears all this comes in uh, Peter shoots him and they're like, Oh, well you've got your death now. But he's like, yeah, but you know, you guys are witness to a murder. So I'm going to take you out anyway. And Sam ends up having to murder Peter with this meat spit, uh, which he, he uses to save Molly's life. And that's, so we have now, you know, uh, satisfied death. We've, we were, we're free and clear at this point. And, um, so they decide, Sam decides like, Oh, you know, I'm going to follow my dream. I'm going to go to Paris. Um, Emma Bell, uh, as Molly is going to go with him. And then we get kind of the surprise of the movie, the, the twist ending which is, oh, they are on flight 180, the plane from the original movie. This was all kind of a period piece set, uh, you know, in 1999 or 2000 or whatever, when the first movie happens and they see, you know, the, um, the Devin Sawa character freaking out and all the people being pulled off the plane. And when, as they're taking off, somebody asks one of the flight attendants, like, Hey, what was that all about? And she was like, I don't know. He had this weird vision, he said. And Sam's like, oh, fuck. And sure enough, they, you know, the plane takes off and explodes just like Flight 180 did in the original movie, which is a pretty nice twist. And then you get the double twist, which I really like, where Nathan, who, you know, has killed Sam unintentionally, 
uh, created a situation where Roy died instead of him and is now living out all of Roy's days. And he goes to a memorial for him held at a bar. And one of the new shop steward there is like, hey, you know, I know you had a lot of trouble with Roy. And, it, you know, he was kind of an asshole, but you really, you being here means a lot and we're going to have a better relationship moving forward. And it's, you know, maybe it's for the best that Roy died the way he did. And <laughs> David's like, uh, excuse me, a baking powder? Um, <laughs> sorry, that's stupid. But he, he, he's like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, oh yeah, Roy had uh, this brain aneurysm thing where he could pop a vessel any day. And so he could have died any time, but he wasn't going to live much longer. And Nathan's like, oh, oh. And then part of Flight 180, namely part of the landing gear, crashes through the ceiling and kills Nathan. And there endeth uh, Final Destination 5, which is, again, I'll say it, one of the best of the series. Uh, I'm real fond of Part 2. Part 5 has more interesting characters. It's got an interesting setup. The whole idea of like, oh, you have to kill an innocent person and steal their days. I think is kind of a, a good twist on the usual Final Destination formula. The deaths are great. They're really sadistic and funny and mean-spirited. All of that. So, yeah, I really like this one. You know, and, and just to give it a kind of a, a ranking um, for all of the movies, because why not... I would say Final Destination 2 is my favorite. 5 is probably number 2 on my list. Then the original Final Destination. Then 3 and then 4. Or the Final Destination, I think is how it goes for me. Um, but I'm curious if you agree or disagree. You know, Jump on the Discord. Let me know how you feel about those movies. I really like them. I'm looking forward to the 6th one. I, I hope that it's fun too. I have... Final Destination 5, the 3D version of that, even though my 3D TV don't work no more. Um, but I watched it a couple of times in 3D and thought it was a blast. And I've watched it in 2D and I thought it was a blast as well. The 3D definitely has some, you know, really gleefully dark moments. But it's not a disaster without 3D or anything. Uh, I, I think that 4 really leaned on it too hard and 5 found that balance where you know, the 3D sort of enhances it. Like, it's a nice spice to the movie, but it doesn't detract if it's not there. So, yeah, I really like Five. Uh, it's a good film. And I like this series as a whole. It's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, a couple of people on Discord were saying something similar, and I agree. So, uh, enough about that. We're going to get to a one-off kind of tomorrow, uh, followed by a couple of more one-off uh, situations, uh, movies that um, are not part of a, a series or a franchise. And then we'll get to a mini series, literally. And, you know, we'll keep it going, man. We got uh, another two weeks of Halloween stuff left, and we're going to enjoy every, every gosh darn second of it. So, uh, anyway, hope you're enjoying this. I am having a blast. Uh, if you haven't watched the Final Destination movies in a while, Please do. I think you'll enjoy it. And until tomorrow, this has been the 31 Days of Halloween. Keep it spooky out there. And I will see you then. Bye. -bye.